Welcome to Plastic Model Mojo, a podcast dedicated to scale modeling, as well as the news and events around the hobby, where we hope to be informative and entertaining and help you keep your modeling mojo alive. Welcome to the inaugural episode of Plastic Model Mojo. We'd like to thank you for taking time to check us out and hope this will be the first of many more podcasts to come. I'm one of your hosts, Mike Basket, and I'm coming to you from Lexington, Kentucky, which is the land of horses and bourbon and plastic modeling, apparently. We're going to be bringing you a straight-up Kentucky Fried podcast as my co-host joins us remotely from about 70 miles to my immediate west in Louisville, Kentucky. He is the current editor of Tactical Notes, which is the official newsletter of the Military Modelers Club of Louisville, and he's the Secretary of Recruitment and Retention for the IPMS USA National Organization, and best of all, he's a 172nd scale aircraft aficionado. I'd like to welcome my co-host, David Knights. How are you doing tonight, Dave? Not bad. How about yourself? Well, I can't complain. Getting some modeling done? Well, that's good news. That's good news. I uh, wish I had... <laughs> I wish I could say the same. Uh, it's been a couple of days since I hit the bench hard, but, you know, it comes in spurts, I guess. You need to take more days off work. Yes, I do. You are correct. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not All sure. All right. Well, let's just get it. Let's get into this. All right. So, so what's your modeling fluid tonight? <laughs> My modeling fluid tonight is a standard orange label bullet, Kentucky straight bourbon. About 90 proof, right out of your hometown there, Louisville, Kentucky. It's a good choice. Good choice. Uh, both Mike it's, and I are, are Kentucky boys, and so bourbon does seem to be one of our favorites. It's my go-to. Yeah, yeah. I, I just told another friend of mine I sent a bottle for. It was a barter. He sent me something. I sent him something back. So it's it's one of my favorites, and I just... It's a good good go to for my what I what I tell him. I told him it was my my favorite affordable bourbon. Yeah. Well, and and do you drink it straight or or over ice or do you mix over it? ice? I, I'm not a I'm not a neat guy. I don't like uh I don't like warm drinks at all, even in the dead of winter, even even bourbon. Yeah. So. Well, if you're gonna drink you? it, if you're gonna drink it straight or over ice, then going with a top quality bourbon is the way to go. Um, Tonight I'm doing something a little different. Uh, if if you're using bourbon as a mixer and it's not uh, it's not the feature of the drink like a Manhattan or an old fashioned where you're really going to taste the bourbon, um, it's it's okay to step down to a slightly lesser bourbon. Like right now I'm drinking a um, boiler maker, uh, a Blue Moon. A classic Blue Moon with one shot of Evan Williams 100 proof white label. Now that's not a top quality bourbon, and it's not something that you choose to to sip on your own over ice or or neat. But used in the in the boiler maker because you don't really taste the bourbon. All it does is enhance the flavor of the beer. It's it's an excellent way to go. 
and also it <laughs> allows me to model a little bit long, longer before the <laughs> before the bourbon hits. Before the bourbon hits in, yeah, I'll have to give that a shot. I, I might pick a different beer, but uh, I didn't think you liked hoppy beers. No, Blue Moon Blue Moon White isn't hoppy. Uh, I I tend to like wheat beers. Uh, Blue Moon is a is a classic Belgian white, and so it's perfect for me. Yeah, I don't like the stuff that they get out on in Seattle and the Pacific Northwest, where they're trying to see how hoppy they can make the beer. That's that's not for me. Well, maybe next episode I'll I'll have one for you, a wheat beer. Okay, that sounds cool. So what are you uh, what are you working on? What's on your bench uh, right now? Uh, on my bench is the uh, the PT seventy six from Trumpeter that uh, started as a paint mule about ten years ago, as you well know. <laughs> uh, that's 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 the top dog. Um, I'm about. Uh, I'm about to the point to start putting all the bits together. I have been weathering, uh, the, uh, well, the hole behind the suspension today. I showed you earlier yeah. and we can share that later sure. once this actually gets posted somewhere and just playing around with a lot of new products, trying to, trying to keep from having a disaster recovery on it though. I'll tell you that. Oh, wow. What's, what's, what challenges have you run into? Miggy Menez's new line, this ammo of ammo by Mig has got these medium density enamels, their texture. They have varying degrees of um, texture. Like you know, his mud grit. or earth or yes, stuff like that. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And there's one called dry earth, which is really, really light. And these things have a whole lot of pigment in them. And I was, I was using it, doing some splatters with it. And I got some on one of the upper surfaces. And trying to get that back off. It's just, I finally got it, but it was near panic there for a while. It, I had to kind of set it down and walk away. And I'll be honest with you. I think that that's what a lot of guys um, shy away from modeling because, or weathering because of, is you're building the model and everything's going right. and It's looking really good. And there's this fear that, okay, now I'm going to start applying weathering, which a lot of guys aren't confident with to begin with me included and you're afraid that you're gonna do something that's irretrievable and most stuff isn't really irretrievable when you think about it no unless you apply a wash over like humbrel matte <laughs> yeah. finish or something like that that's that's yeah. kind of unrecoverable <laughs> yes there, there there are exceptions to every rule and that is one of them but you know you live that. I, I like your idea of using paint mules to experiment with different techniques. So, you know, this, this started out, I, I started out of the box and then the, the tracks for this kit are terrible. So then I went to trumpeter kits, a, uh, an individual track link set for this, which is, <laughs> not any fun either. And they're very fragile and that wasn't going to work out either. So I end up with frill tracks. So in the process of trying to decide which tracks I was going to use, I just let the construction continue. And I, I never sized the track lengths, how many I needed per side until I got to this near finished state. So now I've got to get a lot of stuff done before I can actually fit a run of tracks and get this finished out. But it's just about to the point where 
everything's painted except the tracks. And as soon as I get this weathering done and get the wheels on it, it should pick up pace a little bit. So, so normally, that is my, what, normally what you would have done is that you would have sized the track to figure out how many lengths you need before you ever got into the painting stage. Yeah, absolutely. I would have mm. figured it all out and had it all ready to go to paint in one shot. Gotcha. You know, wouldn't have to be this, wouldn't be in this mode of painting some things and still building some stuff. I, it's not the way I've ever done it. Well, not being an armor guy, I don't know how, what the order is in that regard. So, <laughs> well, that's my top dog. What's, what's, what's your number one project well, right now? My number one project right now, funny enough. Well, actually, I got several going, but my number one right now is, as you know, I went to the IPMS USA Nationals down in Chattanooga. It was my 24th Nationals, and it was by far the best I've ever been to. It was, they they set a new standard. Uh, yeah, thing. I kind of regretted not going after all the news started coming out of that. Oh, uh, it, it was, it was unbelievable. It was just so much fun. Uh, well, while I was down there, I picked up the A-Model A little company out of uh, the Ukraine, uh, makes, among other things, a series of Russian air-to-surface missiles. And I picked up the first Russian air-to-surface missile, which is called an AS-1. And Terry Hill and Rich Giddig and I sat in Terry's hotel room um, Saturday, it was Friday night or Saturday night of the convention. And we sat there watching, I think it was preseason football at the time uh, on the television. And we were all working on kits in the hotel room. And so I had just bought this thing. And so I started working on it. And then when I come home from a national, I'm always on a high from, uh, you know, a post-convention high where I've really got the juices flowing. So in less than a month for me, I got it all painted and or assembled and painted and or primed and painted. And now I'm at the point where it's uh, I've got to go back in and fix a few things. Just, you know, the final prep stuff before I really finish it off. And I've kind of been stuck there for a couple of weeks because it's been going so well. It looks really good. I'm very happy with it. It's a, it's a fun little kit. Now it's, it's from the Ukraine. It's not perfect, but it's a fun little kit. And uh, I'm doing it in bare metal, which is, you know, another level of difficulty. Um, I'm using the Alclad product, which I really like, but uh, it's, it's been enjoyable as heck. Um, I just need to, I just need to finish it off, but so hopefully soon. <laughs> and what made you pick that one? Uh, you know what? Is we were sitting in the hotel room, and it was you know I had most of most of the stuff I had bought at the convention was detail parts and uh, uh, decals. <laughs> I'm a decal holic. I got about 500 sheets. We don't even want to delve into that that dark tunnel. Um, and I didn't really buy many kits, but I did buy this one. And because of what it was, it was very simple. They're not a ton of parts, 
so that I could sit there and start working on it in the hotel room and and it made sense. So that's what I did. All right. So so what are you uh, looking over the stuff that's coming out? What are you thinking? Well, for like, uh, let's go back to October. Okay. <laughs> um, probably for October is probably Ming's or Hmong. Hmong, I think is actually how you say it. Really? Uh, there. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I think that's correct. I didn't know that. Well, feng shui, right? <laughs> yeah, F-E-N-G, exactly. right? I guess. <laughs> uh, they're M4A3, E2 Jumbo to Sherman, believe it or not. Actually, kind of has my eye. Really? What, well, it's... Particular reason? I, I'm not a Sherman guy, but there are probably a couple of versions, um, a couple of uh, varieties of Sherman that that do do have my interest in, and one is the jumbo just because you know they tried to try to fix some of the shortcomings for a specific job i think i think i believe these these vehicles were created um for the siegfried line mm-hmm. in concept i think they were probably used before that i think they were used in the battle of the bulge a little bit but you know to me i did one a while back and if you go back even further there was a there was a really really early issue of well it, early for me mid 80s early 80s probably a fine scale modeler where somebody somebody built one i remember that i actually have and, you know that. It, the, the old school fsm you know their article was pretty pretty exhaustive pretty detailed and far as you know technique and all that and it's, it, it was interesting i learned a lot about modeling from that article even though i never built a, a jumbo sherman yeah but then, you know, to me, it did one. It was kind of half-baked. And then I guess I think there's a, uh, well, it was Tasca. Now it's Asuka Models. They've got mm-hmm. one. So now there's this one. So it ought to be pretty fleshed out by now. <laughs> Hopefully there's been enough research done that everybody knows what a jumbo is supposed to look like. And I, Mike would not have to learn about the nuances of a Sherman tank to go yeah. build this kit. Um, I think, I don't know if I'll get this one or not, but of, of, of the releases in October, I think this is the one that's like, yeah, that, that got my juices flowing a little bit, you know, you know, okay. maybe, I, maybe I would do it. Maybe I'd buy this one. Maybe I would, uh, actually go the extra step and, and pick this one up and finally have a go at one because you know, you know me, I, I favor a lot of Soviet armor and, and T-34s are the same way. But, gosh, there's so many. Shermans are such a nuanced thing, right? Yeah. There's so many, even within a production-specific you know, designation, M4, A3, whatever, there's a bunch of smaller details within that that you can or cannot worry about, I guess, depending on your, uh, your preference. Sure. But that For October, I think that's the one. That's yeah. the one for me. What's well, your favorite? I'm, I'm going to reach back in the in the Wayback Machine because this was actually announced last December 
and was a surprise to pretty much uh, all of the modeling community. And that is Airfix, every December, they do like an advent calendar where they announce and give you hints about what their next year's releases are going to be. And they announced at the end of last year that they were doing a MiG-17 in 72nd scale. And that is one of my aircraft. That's if you put me on a deserted island and told me that I build one type of aircraft uh, the rest of my modeling life, MiG-17 would be in the top two or three of that. And uh, so it was a surprise because, you know, everybody's thinking Airfix is going to concentrate on British subjects. They've done a lot of British subjects. Uh, this thing kind of came out of left field and uh, the, you know, I was disappointed when it turned out it wasn't going to come out till later in 2019 and then it gets pushed back a little farther. So it doesn't, uh, it doesn't come out till the end of 2019, but uh, uh, all the sprue shots and all the CAD renderings and everything, it looks really, really nice. And I could see myself building a whole lot of these things one after the other. Um, I've been, I've, well, what, I've, uh, go ahead. What, what, what kit are they offsetting in this release? There's, I mean, why, why are they doing a MiG-17? Well, they had done a MiG-15, which actually was not uh, particularly good. It was, it was, everybody viewed it as being chunky. Um, so, and then Edward came with a really nice MiG-15 right after that. So it's really surprising that they came out with a MiG-17, the kit they're replacing is the Dragon kit, uh, the old DML Dragon MiG-17, which was a nice model. Not perfect, but I built one. It it builds up nicely. Um, uh, it's, it's not a bad kit. There are a couple of things you have to correct along the way, but none of them overwhelming. Um, so it's not that it, it was a hole that needed to be filled from the standpoint of we've got no kit. It's just the fact, I'll tell you, be honest with you, of the last five or six aircraft kits I've finished, uh, I'll bet you at least three of them have been Airfix kits because since Airfix got back in the game, releasing new models, they stepped up their quality. They did, weren't just repopping old molds. They were into the new technology, their kits for price for the money have been fantastic, fun builds. Um, uh, I did their P-51, I did their Hurricane, I did their Spitfire 19, and all of them have been just real fun to build. And, you know, that's one of the things that's easy to, to miss in this hobby is having fun. Um, so I'm really looking forward to the MiG-17. So what's your big yawn for the month or <laughs> for the recent? My biggest, my biggest yawn of the month for, for October, reaching back to October, um, it'd be from Hobby Boss and it's a Swedish subject and not that I have anything against Sweden or even <laughs> modern subjects for that matter, but or the uh, Swedish bikini team. 
and a Swedish bikini team. Yeah, got nothing <laughs> against that. It would be the Swedish Luftvarnskanonwagen 90. I don't know how to say 90 in Swedish, um, <laughs> but it looks German, but it's not German. It's probably pronounced very similar, which is what I just did, uh, hopefully. Um, it's a modern Swedish anti-aircraft armored vehicle. And I'm sure it's a decent kit. I'm sure there are folks out there in the modern sphere of uh, interest who are just rolling on the ground, loving this. Yeah. My no. problem is that hobby boss has left some holes in their product line that, uh, that I personally would like to see filled, which we may talk about later in our special segment. Uh, sure. But I'm like, why I, the whole trumper trumpeter hobby boss deal just is is perplexing um i wish i wish one of them would focus on modern subjects and one of them would not yeah. i think that would help a lot it'd help me i don't, I don't know if it'd help <laughs> hobby boss and trumpeter at all but it would help me um but that's that's probably the one that's like come on guys and you know, you know for, for me it's an armor subject you know maybe in the future future segment future biggest favorite and biggest yawn uh, maybe it might not be a tank but this time it is sure it is hobby boss's uh, luftwarns kanonwagen 90 <laughs> well for me um reaching back it's actually august edward um really now you know i'm a 72nd scale guy 72nd is my scale it's god's one true scale uh, I, I jokingly rag on 48 scale, and I promise you that's not what I'm doing here. But Edward released a 48 scale P51D, and this is not an item that we needed. <laughs> I mean, to, to me too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm right. To me, as P51D is not making any money for Edward. I understand that. But the. There were, there are fine kits of the P51D and 48 scale on the market. It's not, there wasn't a hole there to fill other than the fact that Edward didn't have one in their lineup. And so I guess that explains it. And I understand from a business standpoint why they're doing what they're doing, but it's a complete and total yawn. It's another P51, which, you know, it's like an ME109 or a Focke-Wulf 190. They're dime a dozen. And we already have a really good one in Tamiya. So I just, uh, I, it's a yawn for me. <laughs> I can understand that. So what are you spending your money on? Model-wise, not... Not you have two teenage boys. I know what you're spending your money on, but model yeah, wise, uh, extra extracurricular activities and food. Yes, <laughs> probably probably not in that order, but it's probably close. Yeah. <laughs> so, what are you spending your model money on? Well, I've you know I've been pretty good the last month. Um, <laughs> I bought a few things, a few consumables. Um, Always needing to me a lacquer thinner. I bought some of that. Big, big deal, right? Yeah. Um, now, do you? I, I picked up. Uh, do you go per, ahead. Do you prefer the Tamiya lacquer thinner over the Unicorn Tears, the Mister Colors, 
Mr. Color, uh, you know, uh, what do they call that stupid stuff? Mr. Color Sounds leveling. Sounds like you're reaching th- for it. I, I was. <laughs> Mr. Color leveling thinner 400. Well, that's a good question because I've never tried it. So oh, maybe I need to. You do. You you have never used unicorn tears. They are, no. I am telling you what, as as far as even lacquer thinners go, it is. It has amazing properties. It I don't know what it is other than unicorn tears, but it really you you can thin your Tamiya or your AK paints with it. It it does everything any other lacquer thinner does, but more so. And uh, you know it used to be hard to get, but now with the advent of Amazon. Uh, uh, you know, you could order it off Amazon or, in fact, Brian at Scale Reproductions in Louisville has it on the shelf. So it's not as rare as it once was. I highly not recommend it. Not as rare it. as it was. Well, I'll have to give that a shot. Yeah. But that's not yeah. where my my uh, my outlaw, outlay of cash stopped for, for the last month. <laughs> and so where did that go? I, I, did, I did pick up... Um, to me is clear flat and to me is clear semi-gloss. I had not tried those. Um, at, at this point, as of today, I've actually tried the semi-gloss and I, I was happy with that. Um, you know, before you had to, you had to mix their flat base with whatever they're clear right. and do it yourself, but not anymore. Uh, yeah, I, I like the semi-gloss, uh, you know, when I finished the, the earth effects on the lower hull of this PT 76, I'll be given their, uh, their flat a try. And I, I don't, I don't anticipate any problems. Just see me it, just because it's, it's a, to me a product. Yeah. I think it'll be, I think it'll be fine. So other than the consumables, um, in, in, in the month, uh, I actually bought a Sakuda hobby, uh, 86 uh a1h sky raider from uh in your in your in your chosen scale there a 170 second scale good job i knew you i knew not, you would not come. the you knew i'd come around yeah exactly <laughs> not the top dog kit maybe i don't know it's not a bad um, kit it, now it's, it's got it's got recess panel lines it's 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 got some issues which i've read about but uh you know i'm not i'm not looking to do I'm not looking to do this as a, as a showstopper. This is Mike starting to do some 72nd scale aircraft is what this is. And this is one that I've always been interested in and um I'm probably going to do a either a US obviously mm-hmm. or a South Vietnamese aircraft out of Da Nang. Yeah. Um there's markings in the kit for, for the latter, yeah. but the decal, the decal sheet with this particular kit was kind of shot because it's I got have some decals. years on it at this point. I have 500 sheets. <laughs> I'm sure you do. With 500 sets, I'm sure you got exactly what I need. I guarantee you I do. Uh, you know, <laughs> you can do that. Uh, you can do it as U.S. Navy. You can do it as Air Force. You can do it as South Vietnamese Air Force. And believe it or not, uh, the the country of Chad in Africa flew them, and uh, uh, I'm sure somebody's still flying them, other than airshow pilots. 
I, I don't know if anybody's is currently still has them in inventory, but Lord knows. Unless they, they can't afford the oil. Yeah, <laughs> they are. They, <laughs> they certainly are great weathering subjects because they did spray just tons of oil. And uh, you, you can go to town if you, if you choose to. So. Well, this will be a, a Vietnam era aircraft. Cause I just, you know, I like the, uh, was it tactical air command scheme? Yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah. The, you South, tell me the, the, the Southeast Asia scheme, the three tone green, yeah, green, three and tone, brown. like two greens and a brown, two yeah. greens and a brown over 36, 622, which is that <laughs> yellow gray. On we'll the have bottom. to sort that out eventually, but I, uh, we can do that. You got my back. Yeah, exactly. That's what you're here. That's what modelers are here for. So what uh, broke your wallet? Well, I, you know, I wish I could say it was a little model kit or some consumables, but what broke my wallet was uh, post nationals. I bought a uh, harder and steam back um, airbrush <laughs> and I needed another airbrush. Like I needed a hole in the head. Because uh, I have much less a big hole. Yeah, exactly. I had. <laughs> it is the most expensive airbrush I've ever bought, uh, but I will tell you, it's really, really nice. It uh, if you're going to do uh, very fine spraying, um, the tolerance. It's you know classic Germans. They over-engineer everything, but it's. Super well engineered, uh, comes with two different tips, comes with two different needles. You've got a, a 0.15 needle for fine spraying, and then you've got a 0 0.40 for, for larger spraying. You've got two separate interchangeable size uh, gravity cups. Um, it's just, it's it feels good in the hand. You can feel just how well everything is engineered. Um, and, and frankly, having seen uh, John Miller at uh, Model Paint Solutions, he's a, a dealer for Harder and Steenbeck out in Seattle. Uh, having seen him use the brush uh, uh, on several occasions, um, I became convinced that, yeah, it will actually make a little bit of a difference. So, so that was a chunk of money. That was a, I bet I expect yeah, great things from you. Dave. Just, so do I, so do I. <laughs> <laughs> and not just uh, t-shirts and license plates. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Hockey helmets. <laughs> Buy anything else? Just the airbrush? Uh, let's see what else. The other, my other purchase of um, any consequence was, do you know what a thinner line circle cutter is? Yes. Okay. Well, those, I've, I've seen them for about a year online, different videos, different modelers recommending them, using them. Uh, I finally broke down and bought one. Uh, it is really great for, uh, cutting circles in kabuki tape. Uh, you can actually use it to cut plast thin plastic if you're if you're trying to make discs for some scratch building product. Um, uh, I know Mig now has an imitation one out as well. Is it Mig or AK? Whatever, one of them. 
There's two or three now at this yeah. point. And uh, I, I, I definitely recommend them if you do, if you're doing, particularly for say somebody in your situation, if you're doing uh, road wheels where you, or car tires, truck tires, where you need to mask the hub, uh, it's, it's an easy way to sit there and cut off, you know, six or eight wheel hub masks really quickly, as opposed to, to having to locate a pre pre-made pre-cut Kabuki tape, uh, masking product. Might have to check that out too. I yeah. like tools. So I do too. <laughs> <laughs> Well, all right. If that's all you bought, then yeah. uh, you're doing pretty good. Yeah. I guess we can roll on into our, our special segment for the for this episode. And uh, we have selected, what kit do we need? <laughs> and uh, I guess we'll go back and forth here because you should have a list if you've prepared. I've prepared and I've got a list. <laughs> and uh, this is... This is what kits Mike and Dave thinks we need. So everybody needs to to keep that in mind. What's um, what's our email address so that people who listen to this can email us what they think we need? <laughs> our email address is I gotta get it right. Yeah. Is plastic model mojo at gmail.com. Perfect. And after so, you listen so to this, somebody's got, yeah, we can, uh, they can send us some suggestions. And next time we do this, uh, maybe we'll have some other suggestions because I'm sure yours are going to be tailored toward your personal interests. And likewise, mine probably are. Indeed. Um, maybe next time we can, we can try to circumvent that a little bit and think, think a little more uh, outside the box, a little outside the box, a little more globally and uh, be a little more inclusive, but, since I kicked off the segment, you get to go first. Uh, what All kit right. do we need, Dave? Well, uh, one that we've needed for quite a while that apparently is going to get filled next year. Uh, Zvezda, the company again out of uh, uh, Ukraine, uh, is going to produce in 72nd scale a C-130. Uh, we've had the Etolary kit and before that the Airfix kit in 72nd scale, and both are fine, but both are race panel lines. Both are, you know, 30, 40 years old at this point. We don't have a modern C-130, one of the, you know, later J models or anything after that. Uh, we're not 100% sure what Zvest is going to produce, but uh, in their catalog image, they show a late model 130. And if that's the case, that will be very popular because there's a lot of um, U.S. Air National Guard units that use the new model, including Kentucky's, that use the late model C-130s. Um, so that's, uh, that's what we needed. And it looks like, you know, you know, these companies announce vaporware and it takes three or four <laughs> years to get something that uh, you're promised year after year. But Assuming they follow through, looks like in 2020 we'll get a C-130, a modern C-130. So how about you? In 72nd, 72nd, 72nd scale? Yep. Okay. Just, just check. I know. I know. <laughs> oh, at the top of my list is a uh, another T-34-76 
STZ factory model from 1942. Uh, this would be the probably, I don't see how it could not be the most desirable single hatch, you know, single hatch 1942 and earlier T34 variant there is. And Dragon did one of these under the Cyber Hobby label. I was going to uh, say, didn't we have back. one of those? We have one. They did a 41, which was really good. And then they did a 42, and they crapped the bed. <laughs> <laughs> How did they crap the bed? It, it was like they took a project to Hong Kong Technical University and said to their graphic design and mechanical engineering graduating class or seniors or juniors or sophomores, I don't know, and said, we need a new upper hull for this kit. Go at it. And none of them were modelers. I don't know that that's not what happened, but it, you know, it's sure you, you end up with a part that was not on par with the rest of the kit. And it really didn't fit. Uh, there were some real fit issues with, with the rear hull and it, it for, for to be the, the, the most desirable, in my opinion, version of the single hatch T34, it, it should have been bangers. It should, it should have been the best one they did. And it was the worst one they did hmm. and they didn't care because <laughs> they never fixed it. You know, they came out with another one in German markings with a with a Panzer three four rear stowage bin on the back of the turret and a cupola on the roof, and it's still the same kit. But they never fixed it. So, really, somebody needs to step up. I wouldn't care if it was them, to be honest. But you know, who else is doing T thirty fours now? I know Academy's doing T thirty fours and Zvezda's doing T thirty fours. Somebody needs to do this. Panthers. Well, I know. Yeah, (laughs) literally everyone. (laughs) <laughs> in, in fact our 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 friends down in florida at uh tmd did did a, a resin kit after the dragon one came out for a very yeah. short period of time that was really nice but it was you know, amazing now, now to find that one's really expensive so somebody yeah. somebody needs to kit this in plastic again and really make an honest attempt to, to do it right yeah so that's that's my number one i would like to see all right I'm going to step into your realm here. I'm going to, hopefully I'm not, I'm not, hopefully I'm not uh, breaking any rules here, but I'm actually going to jump into 35th scale and suggest, and we're just starting to see this now, 35th scale civilian vehicles, uh, particularly 35th scale civilian vehicles of the World War II era. This has made sense for years. And only now, I think Mini Art's doing one. Um, yeah, they've got they've got a few, yeah. Right. To me, it did one or two of the ones where they were civilian vehicles, but they got it impressed into military services as yes. staff cars. I think ICM has done a few of those as well. But we are now just starting to see more 35th scale civilian vehicles. And this just makes perfect sense to me simply because if you, it, it opens up diorama possibilities like nobody's business, go back and look at period photographs, 
You'll see lots of civilian vehicles in use. If you're doing anything that's not immediately combat related, uh, there are civilian vehicles all over the place and a wide variety of them. Everything from the Model T to Mercedes to Renaults to a lot of trucks. Um, I'm just, I, it's, I, I, I think that this area ought to expand exponentially. We don't need another Panther, but a 35th scale Model T or a 35th scale uh, uh, Model A truck would would be fantastic. Well, we'll see what happens. <laughs> so what's your next? My next are... Uh, Polish subjects in 35th scale armor again, um, a seven TP single turret and a seven TP twin turret tank tanks. Yeah. Um, a lot of the Soviet T 26s have been kitted. Now, even the Vickers six tons, which all these tanks are based on, which served with some tiny armies in some, Godforsaken four corners of of World War II, right, or yeah. before, have been kitted. But the Polish, the Polish seven TP, the only kit out there is that Spunia kit from nineteen eighty five. That's, you know, it's terrible. Yeah, there's not there's not one, and you know, well, IBG it, has just released some uh, some of the small. Polish tankettes that had previously been done by one of the RPM or maquette, one of the, one of the uh, Eastern European countries. And now, now there's some really good kits of those out and yeah. the running gear and stuff has been kitted for this. It's, it's been tooled. Um, it was not too big of a stretch to really do these. I'm not, I'm not real sure why given some of some of the other subjects that have been kitted, why these have not. Well, you know, what's funny is that, We've had the same problem in 72nd scale aircraft. For years, there was no good PZL, P7, P11, uh, PZL, P23, 37, none of the Polish aircraft. And then just in the last year or two, we have gotten a run of several different companies, Arma, IBG, producing really quality kits of these subjects. And I kind of wonder if maybe you're going to see the same thing for 35th scale armor. I think that with the anniversary of the start of World War II, 1939, that it's going to produce uh, more interest and therefore more, uh, uh, more kits and also we seem to be getting Polish producers now, and they clearly are going to be interested in producing Polish subjects. Uh, speaking to, of which, uh, Roger Morehouse has a new book out called First to Fight on the Polish campaign in World War II. Um, highly recommend it. So what's your number two? Uh, my number two is, and this one's a little weird. Uh, That's okay. 72nd scale SS6. Uh, the SS6 is the sapwood. It's the 
Russian ICBM that basically in civilian version, the Russians used to launch Sputnik and then used to launch uh, Yuri Garin into space and frankly is the basis of every Soviet space vehicle up to, to and including today. Um, there are a couple of e old Eastern European kits of this subject, but amazingly enough, you can build a fair number of the Soviet ICBMs in 72nd scale, uh, but we don't have a good modern kit of the SS-6. So personally for me, I would love to see somebody come out and uh, uh, do a new kit of the SS-6. How about you? Well, I think with the, uh, well, I don't know if I would like to see it or not, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going to say that there's been a lot of chatter on uh, some of the other podcasts about, you know, we've, I guess it's the anniversary of the, the moon landing. And there's been a lot of talk about space kits, real space kits in general. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it seems like uh, if, if that launched early Soviet space program material, then it would be a desirable subject. Yeah, I agree. For both the, the SS-6, the ICBM, and you could use the same basic kit to do all of the, um, all of the, the Soviet spacecraft. So what's your next one that you want to see? Well, it gets back to my uh, chagrin about the... Uh, some of the latest hobby boss releases um, <laughs> like the, like the STZ model T 34, the 42 model in particular uh, of the T 26 series of light tanks, the model 40 with a conical turret and the, the sloped upper hull is a fairly desirable variant of that vehicle and hobby boss kitted, I, I don't I don't recall all the designations offhand, but they have kitted from the twin turret up to the conical turret, but the conical turret with still the slab sided hull, and they stopped. So they didn't complete they didn't finish the job. They didn't cross the goal line. <laughs> so they, they need to finish it. They need to go back and 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 finish what they started you know they got a twin turret they've got they have they have the single turret a couple of versions they've got uh, they've got the, the the conical turret still with the slab sided hull as i just said um but they just never they never built the last one the model 40 which had the the sloped upper hull plates have you so, have you seen the finnish movie the winter war yes i have I was going to say, I just finished watching that a few weeks ago, and there are three T-26s in it. I mean, actual... They're probably real ones. Yes, I was going to say, they appear to be real T-26s. They do not appear to be um, mock-ups or anything like that. They are definitely not CGI. Um, it's it's pretty cool. It's It's worth watching the movie just for... Uh, the combat scenes. Um, you know, there is a lot of Russian armor out there that because they had so many specific variants, uh, 
there's a lot of Russian armor out there still to build. And yet we get another panther and another panther and another tiger. And sometimes that's a little irritating. Yeah, there's certainly more than I care to build. Yeah. Um, not that I don't like those subjects, but I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> well, and there were. So what's next on your list? Well, um, I'm going to go a little bit, a little bit weird here. Do you know what the USS Ward is? The USS Ward. Yes. W-A-R-D? W-A-R-D. It was... No, I do not. It is a U.S. four-stack destroyer, basically a one of those destroyers that was built during World War One. that uh, okay. was still in service at the beginning of World War Two, and it fired the first shots of World War Two for the U.S., it was the, the destroyer that was on patrol outside of Pearl Harbor and encountered and sank the one of the Japanese midget submarines uh, that were involved in the Pearl Harbor attack. Uh, hmm. We've got the, the ward in 350th scale, and we've got it in 700 scale, but it's tiny. You could do it in 72nd scale. It's only four, <laughs> a little over four and a half feet long. We have a Japanese midget sub in 72nd scale from fine molds and the USS Ward would be fantastic as an accompanying piece. And again, it's no bigger, you know, the Ger- the Revell's doing the, the German oh, U-boats yeah. and uh, 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 the air, air fa- or uh, Matchbox did the old uh, uh, Canadian uh, a match bar, uh, Corvette, um, the, the castle barrier, whatever the name was. Um, and so it wouldn't be better. You know, you could, you could, I think commercially kit the USS Ward and it would be a great tie in. We've got 1941 coming up the anniversary, uh, of 1941 and some company out there could kit the ward and I think they'd have a nice tie-in with the anniversary of Pearl Harbor. And you know, I, I don't, I can't remember it. You know, you know me, I've not been to a lot of shows in the last few years, but the shows I've been to and then, and then the ones when I was fairly active several years back, it seemed like it was right when those 72nd scale submarines had yeah. hit the market. And there was at least, one or two at every show. So, I mean, people were building them. Yep. So maybe, maybe you're right. Yeah. And they are Four still, feet, that's not terrible. Yeah. You still see those today. So, so what's one more for you? What, what, what one more kit? One more for me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm just going to beat hobby boss with a rubber hose tonight. <laughs> um, <laughs> a Chinese assassin team is on its way to Lexington as that's, we speak. <laughs> that's right. Um, we need a BT five. Tamiya has done the BT sevens in two versions, right? Well, really three, if you count the Finnish artillery one they did. Um, and Hobby Boss did two versions of the BT two. You know, which is the predecessor right. for for all for for the series with the late version of bt2 they have a high percentage of what they need to just take it to the next step 
because they already have the turret with their T26 kits. Right. So they just need to finish finish the job, a, a BT-5, because the BT-5 was using pretty significant numbers compared to the BT-2. Well, I was going to ask, so did, what was the BT-5 used at Kalkengol or was it used in Finland, early World War II? Yes, to, bo- to both of those, to all of those, yes. Okay. The twos were as well, but they were, you know, they were, they're probably getting pulled out of training service and impressed into front lines. I mean, they were the BT two, at least the initial version was a machine gun tank. So that was a lot of vehicle to only be armed with two machine guns. Uh, the, the, the later version I, I believe had a 45 millimeter gun on it. Uh, but the five did for sure. And it was ostensibly, you know, a, a BT seven, except the BT seven, they went to a, like a cast front instead of, you know, they started getting rid of some of the riveted construction because that was, that was a weakness Yeah, ultimately. But, uh, it, it was the kind of the last riveted version of that series fully riveted. Uh, but it was, you know, there's the old Italeri kit, which is, it's not very good. Uh, and there's a resin conversion kit by a company called Rhino Models that I've seen built, and it's it's pretty good. It's, it's to convert the Tamiya kit, but it's it's worthy of a plastic a plastic model. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of st- Russian stuff out there to be kitted. There's no question. Oh, certainly. You got one more. I got one more for you. Um, we've got in seventy second scale, and yes. I love 72nd scale, so I'm going to pimp it as much as I can. Uh, we've got uh, a really good F4-F4 from uh, uh, Hasegawa. Uh, even though it's a little long in the tooth, there's some aftermarket for it. You can really build a real nice F4-F4. Uh, but a number of the early uh, World War II Wildcats were F4-F3s. Uh, it's a different wing, um, noticeably different, uh, and there's some conversions for the uh, for the Hasegawa kit. But it would be nice to have an F4 F F3 kitted by a major manufacturer. Uh, Tamiya could do it. Hasegawa could do it. Um, we've had some companies. I believe AZ actually did one. I think it might have been under their Admiral label. But again, it would be nice to have a modern major manufacturer kit of the F4, F3. So that's that's on my list. I would love to see that. So as far as time frame of active service... What's the what's the sweet spot for that version? From 1940, so pre-war, you can do it. In fact, the, the first versions of the F4, F3 were in yellow wings. You know, the, the pre-war yes. silver and yellow markings, beautiful, uh, really attractive. Up through about 1940 to early 1942, Coral Sea, um, I don't know if any of the uh, Midway aircraft were F4, F3s, but they may have been. Um, 
but uh, you know, it was it was the workhorse of the early early um, U.S. Navy and U.S. Marines defense of the Pacific. Um, it's it's significant enough that it needs to be it needs to be kitted as a high quality kit of its own. All right. So uh, since we're coming up on almost an hour and we've, we've said we're going to yep. try and limit these things to an hour. Um, what one shout out for the, uh, just uh, the end of the podcast, one thing modeling related, one person, one, one product, one something that you, that you think deserves a shout out. Well, it's kind of a, uh interesting that you mentioned your new airbrush purchase earlier in the episode because um, my shout out for this month is going out to Mr. John Miller of Model Paint Solutions and this came to be by your friend Jim Bates out on the west coast Oh, now, now was, we mentioned uh, Jim and he's going to get a big head okay <laughs> well that's okay it's a lot of room out on the west coast yeah true but. enough <laughs> I was I was having some trouble with a, a particular line of paint that uh, I'll just keep under the cuff for now because I'm still playing around with it. Um, and I guess Mr. Bates had mentioned uh, my concerns to him or my my lack of success, and I reached. He asked to reach out to him, and I did with a with a pretty substantive list of uh, you know outlined what I'd done as in as much detail as I could. And we had a couple of exchanges and he was very helpful and, you know, not to the point of trying to sell me stuff, but, you know, to get, to get the solution I wanted out of this product. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've got some more playing around to do and we'll talk about that in the future. I'm sure. But, uh, I'm confident I can have success with this product and, Thanks to him, I think uh, I got a I got a pretty good shot of getting there. And uh, his website is uh, it's one word: model paint sol. Uh, model paint s o l. One word: model paint dot com. And uh, he carries a lot of really uh, great airbrushes and a lot of peripheral products that I'm sure people might not have thought about. Maybe they don't know they even need them yet. But I saw a lot of a lot of mixing and measuring stuff on there that caught my eye. But uh, uh, I'd like to say thanks to John for uh, for helping out a guy who didn't buy anything from him, just on a suggestion from, uh, well, I can't even say mutual friend, really. Yeah. It's a twice-removed situation, but uh, pretty generous in my opinion. Yeah, well, John has done uh, presentations at the last two nationals, and uh, I attended both of them. Uh, I attended his seminars. Uh, I can tell you from interacting with him at the nationals. Uh, he's a good guy and, you know, like a lot of really good modelers, he's one of those people who is generous and, and willing to share what they know and willing to help a guy out. And, uh, uh, I can second, uh, your referral to his website. He's got some really nice videos and really nice articles on a number of subjects. Um, I, I highly recommend uh, Model Paint Solutions and Mr. Miller. 
And what about you? Um, anything uh, well, noteworthy from your, yeah, your side tonight? I'll, I'll tell you what, and, and we've talked about this a little. Uh, there's a guy uh, on YouTube uh, who goes by the name of Night Shift. Uh, I think his actual name is Martin Kovac. He's somewhere in Eastern Europe. And he produces some of the best modeling videos, technique videos that I frankly think are out there on the net right now. Um, uh, he's, he, his video quality and his, uh, his video engineering is fantastic. Um, one of the difficult things in doing modeling videos is the ability to show the techniques clearly, and his videos really do. Um, he does his presentations in English, even though he's somewhere in Central Europe. Uh, his, his presentation is funny. Um, you know, it's not a comedy routine, but it is lighthearted. It's, it's, Enter- I agree. Yes. It's entertaining as heck. <laughs> Each one of his videos is maybe 25, 30 minutes long and they fly by. And every one of them I watch, I learn something new. And, and you know, if you're looking for something, YouTube's a great resource for modelers. And I don't think that we utilize it enough. Of all the resources out there on YouTube, I don't think you can do any better than uh, Night Shift's videos. So go to go to YouTube.com and search for Night Shift, two words. I can't, I can't agree more. One of my favorite spots on YouTube is uh, Night Shift. Uncle Night Shift is uh, really getting it done. Yep. He does a fantastic job. Yep, absolutely. So... Well, this is the first one out of the box, so uh, hopefully we manage we, to go an hour and, you know. We're right there. Yep. So uh, let's wrap it up, and uh, hopefully people will enjoy this and come back. And, again, if you have any suggestions, it's Plastic Model Mojo, all one word, at gmail.com. And uh We're also going to have stuff out there on uh, Facebook and Twitter. Uh, We'll go try and get the word out. So help us spread the word. All right. Well, until we do the next one, as we say in the uh, club, so many kits. So little time.